You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? This is Richard Stamen, your host for Locked On NBA Draft. You know me better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Got a really fun episode for you today. I'm going to be going over some of my recent scouting reports that I've been covering, including two lottery level prospects in Josh Giddy and Jalen Johnson, as well as a really good second round prospect from Kansas, Ochai Ogbaji. It's going to be really fun. Got to attend the NBA Combine virtually last week, so got a lot to recap you on for this week after the lottery. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. So today's episode, I'm going to be going over Josh Giddy first. Going to switch it up and go to the second round in Ochai Ogbaji. And then come right back to the lottery level talent in Jalen Johnson. So lots to look forward to, especially if you're a fan of a team that one has multiple picks and also two happens to have a lottery level pick. There's a lot for you to like in this episode, I think. So this should be a fun one. And hopefully uh, if this is your first time, then I'll, I'll give you a little rundown of how this goes. I do the pros, cons, a little bit of a selling point, and then what I expect, you know, some comparisons draft range and what their role can be best case scenario worst case scenario and that's pretty much it for my scouting report i post all of these on mavsdraft.com my own personal site so if you also want to follow along that way you can do it there too all of these i do these about once a day i post a new one so all of these are up there to view you know if you don't want to do the audio episode and you just tuned in and we're like eh, you have that option too just in case so let's dive right into it so Josh Giddy is one of the more recent risers, and by that I mean about like January or so, we saw him start rising. He plays in the NBL, plays for the Adelaide 36ers, excuse me, um, over in Australia. For the year, he was the rookie of the year in Australia, averaged 10.8 points per game, 7.4 assists per game, 7.4 rebounds per game, one steal per game, half a block per game, and 3.3 turnovers per game. And that was on shooting splits of 43% from the field. 29% from three and 69% from the free throw line. So immediately what's going to stand out is that he's 6'8", 205, and he's a lead guard. He is probably the best passer, I would say, in this class. You know, he you watch some Luka Doncic plays where he's doubled at half court and still making perfect passes to the corners and finding open shooters and miraculously getting assists out of it, and it, he makes it look ridiculously easy. Really one of the only players in the world that can do that too is Josh Giddy. So that's an immediately standout trait. Like He is an elite playmaker, and there's absolutely no question about that because he has elite vision to go along with his ability to see over defenses with his size. So he's got a really high basketball IQ. That's one of his strongest selling points, I think, is that he just understands the game, and his turnovers aren't just bad plays and you know, some people see some prospects and you're like, what are you doing? There's no head scratching turnovers really from him. It's just more about, dang, he could have made that had it been like half a second earlier. And, you know, you, some of the greatest passers make have a lot of turnovers. Like it, it just comes with the territory. So it's not really a knock that he has those 3.3 turnovers per game, but his passing is going to be far and away his best NBA trait, probably year one and probably his whole career, I would even say. 
So along with the playmaking, he's a really good cutter, moves well off ball. I think that feeds into that basketball IQ, just knows when and where to cut. And you really can't underestimate that. He's great in the pick and roll, kind of going back to that um, to that playmaking, you know, that goes along with the feel for the game. He uses screens almost perfectly, knows how to manipulate defenses just really well. I think that applies both on and off ball. He's, he cuts well out of others' pick and rolls. So, and there, that's something that, you know, can't be dismissed. And he's a surprisingly good finisher out of the pick and roll. Um, he has a really tight handle. I think he's got some advanced moves in his arsenal, can dribble in tight coverage. That's something that's really impressive for a 6'8 point guard. He's a great rebounder. So all of these things considered, you can see why that 10, 11 points per game with a seven rebounds, seven assists is probably going to translate pretty quickly. Like he'll flirt with over five, five and five every game. Um, obviously, if he only averaged five points per game, it'd be a little bit alarming. I don't really see that. I think he'll be closer to 10, but um, his jump shot isn't perfect. This will kind of be a segue into his cons, but his jump shot has a jump shot has a really high starting point. Um, you know, he never dips the ball below his chest, which is absolutely incredible to see. You rarely see that from any players. Um, some guys will dip a little bit, but his is just so fluid one shot motion. It feels like now, however, to go into the cons, he does need to steady out a shooting base. His left foot can be off, can lead like into some off balance shots. He doesn't get it planted very well. His on his landing mechanics, I guess you would say, which sounds like a dunking thing, but he he kind of lands awkwardly you know he'll start with a narrow ish base and it's a set shot and then all of a sudden his legs are completely wide on the landing and that's probably why he shot 29 percent from three i don't know how good his natural touch is it's hard to say with the 69 percent free throw um percentage um but that is you know that is it's on the fence of of being a borderline, you know, it's a borderline shot. It could be go either way. And that's far and away's most fatal flaw is that if he can't shoot, he's going to be unplayable pretty quickly because to go into the next thing, he's not that good defensively. He has weak hips. He's not in stance. He gets beat very easily despite the size, you know, he can block guys at the rim because of it. But when he's on ball against drives, he gets torched. So that's very concerning. He's not a great athlete, as you can tell um, by that sentence about his defense. He has short arms. He doesn't, you know, I don't know what his official wingspan was, but it certainly was not above 6'9". Um, he's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, in that range. So not much of a positive wingspan, if if any positive at all on that. And then kind of feeding into that athleticism as well, he's not really a good finisher against athletic big men. And it's hard to tell that even because uh, in the NBL, there's just not that many of those rim protectors. You don't get the Clint Capellas. You don't get the Mitchell Robinsons, those crazy athletes that can protect the rim. He's going to have to go up against those guys and prove that he can make layups and finish just around them because he has a nice scoop layup, which is a really impressive tool if you're undersized, but he can't purely rely on that. I think that's his best move. And sometimes he can get a little bit over-reliant on that. So if he can improve that, he will get a lot better. I think... The selling point with him is that you're getting a playmaker who might be able to shoot at some point, hasn't just all around playmaking. He checks every single box in that front, can flirt with a triple double because he'll just naturally score. Um, it'll just come in the NBA. It's very hard not to score in the NBA, especially as a guard. He's a good rebounder, so he's going to get the triple double stuff. And the high basketball IQ is just outstanding. So if you're looking for someone who you think you can coach up, to you know just even a rotation player you're getting that i think pretty safely so 
Players that he's similar to, I wrote down Tyrese Halliburton, you know, with a funky shot almost. It, it's it's a little bit similar. The guy who we thought couldn't run a pick and roll successfully because he just can't blow by people, and he had an all-rookie year. Ricky Rubio a little bit without defense, and then Andre Miller as another guy. Um, Andre Miller someone that just slow. Absolutely one of the slowest players in the league, but had like a 15-year career. So it could be somewhere in that range. It's pretty good company. I think those are all high-floor guys for him. Not necessarily high ceiling guys. I see him going as early as eight, and I don't really see him slipping far out of the lottery. 16 is about a worst case scenario, and that's right before Memphis. Memphis, if they do get the chance to get him, would be ecstatic because they. I think they need a backup point guard. You could play him perfectly next to Tyus Jones if Tyus Jones can be a good off-ball player again. So I think, I think that would be big. I don't really expect that to be realistic, though. So my expected role for him is to be a starting point guard as a four general, probably next to surrounded by all shooters. You know, he can maybe shoot on his own, but it's not something you prefer. His worst case scenario, he's unplayable. If his lack of shooting, athleticism, and defense, all three of those bust, um, that means he's a bust. His basketball IQ won't be able to outweigh those things. So it's going to be hard to justify him earning minutes in that scenario. However, on the other end, if he exceeds expectations, it's because his jump shooting eventually develops and his scoop shot becomes lethal enough and, you know, other finishing moves to help him finish around defenses at a high clip um, and that maybe his defense can come along too. So that's the Josh Giddy um, breakdown. When I come back, uh, first I'm going to talk about uh, the player of the week, as I promised. I, I teased that at the beginning. Uh, but as soon as I'm done with that, we're going to come back, go right back into it with Ochai Agbaji and then Jalen Johnson as well. So as promised, this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Bobby Portis. Uh, I'm trying to stick with the current NBA playoffs that are going on and not just draft prospects like I did last week with JT Thor, who, by the way, I'm very happy with that pick because he's now interviewing with lottery teams and working out for those lottery teams. So I think that might be a realistic rise where he goes lottery, uh, a little bit of a side tangent, but Bobby Portis, you know, on in game three, Sunday night, had an impressive game, was playing some really good defense, had 15 points, two steals, one assist, four rebounds, including two offensive rebounds. And that was on seven of 12 shooting one of three from three. And that was all in just 16 minutes. So really impressive run from him. I think, you know, a lot of people say Trey Young before the injury, Giannis, Middleton, they got a lot of credit, but someone who didn't get their credit nationally is Bobby Portis. And, um, you know, I think he brought a lot of joy to the Bucks fan base and being able to, to come off the bench and do what he did. So I was really impressed with him. And, and again, that's Michelob Ultra's player of the week, Bobby Portis. Um, and this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Enjoy creates success. And don't forget, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Locked on NBA Draft. Again, my name is Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter. So for this next portion of the show, going to talk about a second round prospect, Ochai Ogbaji. Got to speak to him at the NBA Draft Combine. Just all around great person, full of personality, you know, really funny guy, honestly. Had a lot to say about, you know, his game. Uh, I'll get into some quotes and stuff about him uh, later in this portion, but... 
to go over his scouting report, so Ochai Obaji is someone who's been on my radar pretty much ever since his freshman year. He was a redshirt freshman, um, well, he was redshirted, excuse me, his freshman year until about eight games in the season, 10 games, something like that. And he just came out, came out and just took the Big 12 by storm. Nobody really, like in his words, but he had told me, I, I asked him about this was, he said, you know, nobody really had a scouting report on me yet. Like, I was able to drop 20 really easily just because there was no one to stop his weaknesses and strengths. Uh, they really didn't know much about him, so there was no film. It was a really hard stop for defenses. Um, but he really enjoyed his freshman year, felt like it was an absolute, you know, kind of stepping stool into his, um, excuse me, stepping stone into his uh, sophomore and junior year where he fully broke out, especially his junior year. So for the year, he averaged 14 points per game, two assists per game, 3.7 rebounds per game, half a block per game, and a steal per game with just 1.4 turnovers per game. And that was on 42% shooting from the field, just about 38% from three and 69% uh, from the free throw line. I swear I'm not just choosing guys with 69% from the free throw line. I uh, did not realize what I was getting myself into, but uh, these are two nice players. And um, yeah, so this is the full scouting report on them. So the tools for Agbaji automatically, it starts with the athleticism. And then you hope that he can be a three and D guy. So the athleticism is crazy. One of the more impressive athletes I've ever seen in person, gotten to see him up close at TCU. Um, just can get his head above the rim. Crazy athleticism. If you haven't looked that up, just go to YouTube. You'll, your jaw will be on the floor. Like he's an unreal athlete at six, five has a plus five wingspan weighs 214 pounds, uh, decently good sized hands plays probably both wings positions. Uh, he has a quick spot up jump shot, kind of like giddy also doesn't have the dip. He doesn't ever bring the ball below his chest. And again, that's something that I don't think can be overstated and how important it is as a shooter. He also, you know, he moves well off ball. I think that gets him to his spots. It was something Kansas has emphasized over the last three years. I've written a lot about Ugbaji in the past and how I think he's a prospect. And I think uh, I think that off ball movement really translates and will be the reason why his jump shot translates, despite a fringe free throw percentage in terms of projecting it. So you have that. And then also as a playmaker, I think he has good vision. He knows how to draw defenders away from his off-ball teammates, so he's mostly creating for shooters. Can sometimes create for bigs. I think you know he had Yudoka Azubuki um, and David McCormick his two years at Kansas. Uh, the last two years, excuse me, his all three years. I guess he had both, but uh, really utilized both of those the last two years. And on the you know overall, I'd say the last thing about his offensive game is. He really thrives in transition. Like, you don't want to see him getting downhill. He'll make the layup over you. I think he'll have that potential to stop and pop from three. And, I mean, you just don't want to see him downhill at the rim. That's just not what you want. He can pass that in transition. He really doesn't have any flaws in the transition game. Defensively, he moves well laterally. He's really strong on closeouts, has crazy recovery ability. Like, I think he's one of the rare guys that he can fly by you on a closeout and he's still not out of the play. Like, there's been so many times that's happened where he just he overcommits a little bit, but it doesn't actually hurt the team defense, which is a very impressive trait to have. Um, and then he's also a high effort rebounder. So, he's he, despite only 3.7 rebounds per game, he gets to the rim and or excuse me gets to the ball off the rim and has a nose for the ball his negatives i have for him he does need to get better at going left he's right hand dominant um i i should have emphasized that i i think he's still pretty raw and that's something that we need to understand with him which is why you know i see him as a project in this class as a wing 
I don't really think his team defense is there yet. That's a questionable area as well. Like I said, the individual defense is strong. But can he, you know, successfully handle pick and roll schemes and things like that? That's an area we need to see. His handle is a complete swing skill. I, I honestly, I just put questionable handle because I don't know how to evaluate it. We really didn't get to see it. It was something hidden at Kansas. Coach Self very clearly did that. That was by design, which kind of makes me nervous. But also wings at Kansas don't get to handle the ball. So we don't know. And then his jump shot on the move, kind of a concern. He, he can lose his footwork a little bit. I think he doesn't feel comfortable outside of catch and shoot situations all the time. So that's the rundown on Ochai Agbaji. I think what you're looking for when you draft him probably in the late second round is a high upside swing for the fences as a three and D athlete, like a three and D plus is how I would describe him. You know, he can potentially slash and get to the rim, definitely going to shoot and probably going to defend. So if you can get all three of those, you're getting a clear rotation player. Some guys I wrote down as names for comparisons were Gerald Green, Terrence Ross, and Xavier Henry as a throwback. I think Henry's his absolute worst-case scenario. I do think there's almost no chance he goes undrafted. I have him as a clear-cut second-round prospect. His expected role for me, I put him as a 3-and-D wing that capitalizes on the freedom of movement era, basically emphasizing his off-ball movement while consistently making the right plays on offense, and just he's not a liability. I think that the minimal turnovers is something just that should be coveted a little bit more than we have praised him for his worst case scenario. He's unplayable. If he, if the free throw percentage accurately projects his shooting, making him a non-shooter and an all non-ball handler as a wing, it's pretty hard to play you at that point, even if you're a good defender at six, five and a half, he exceeds his expectations. His best case is if, you know, this is his best case scenario. If his shooting translates cleanly, his ball handling actually isn't bad. And it was just not allowed to be used at Kansas. And his defense translates to about league average. He doesn't need much more than that. But if all three hit, I mean, we're looking at a clear cut rotation player, probably a starter. I might've undersold him with some of those comparisons, but Gerald Green and Terrence Ross have been two of the better six men over the last 10 years. That's not a bad thing. Some fits I really like for him. All three I wrote down were in the Atlantic division. I put Boston, Toronto, and Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn just generally needs a high upside potential rotation player at the least. Toronto can always develop that high upside. It's a perfect landing spot for him. And Boston, while they have wings, they probably don't need a ton of wings. They could always use a high upside wing uh, to go along there. So that's the Ochai Agbaji rundown. Um, he did clarify to me that that is how you say his name. Uh, luckily, actually, not to me directly, but I was in the room and someone else asked him after calling him Ochai. It is Ochai. Um, that's all I've got on Ochai, though. So when I come back, I'm going to go back to the lottery and I'm going to break down Duke's uh, or former Duke prospect, Jalen Johnson, right after these words, though, from Rock Auto and Bet Online. With the playoffs and baseball season in full swing, you can track all the action on betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, and you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC MMA, and even NFL when it comes back. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams are making their runs for the final in NHL excuse me, and NBA. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, that's one word, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
If you're looking to save time and money when looking for auto parts, look no further than Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices at Rock Auto are always reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today at rockauto.com to find the solution to your auto parts needs. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. And this time, it's locked on with two words, L-O-C-K-E-D space O-N in their How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, so for the last scouting report, I got some, you know, probably one of the more interesting players in this draft. That's 6'9", 220, combo forward, Jalen Johnson. Um, he had a 7-foot wingspan, 8-foot 10 standing, ver- uh, excuse me, standing reach, pretty massive hands. He's probably the most controversial player in the entire draft, though. He played 13 games before leaving Duke, only 20 minutes per game. And in those 13 games, he averaged um, 11 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, 2.2 assists per game, 1.2 steals per game, 1.2 blocks, and and 2.5 turnovers. And that was on 52% shooting from the field, 44% from three with limited sample size, and 63% from the line. So immediately what's going to stand out, I really can't weigh in on this. This is something only NBA teams and people with deep intel can weigh in on but his departure from duke was just really just not a uh not a pleasant look for him i don't think he had left two other schools from high school so not exactly the best look for him that's always going to haunt him and it kind of wonders what it leaves you know character questions behind him so he is, you know, top 10 talent in terms of on court before he dropped out of Duke. I had him in my top 10, but I really do have some concerns about his on court stuff as well. So let's start with the pros. He's outstanding in transition, really just an unbelievable athlete, which it feeds in hand in hand. And then, of course, he's a strong finisher because of those two things. He's comfortable with both hands as a ball handler and finisher. He has a really quick first step, he can cut. He can do pretty much everything that involves anything near the rim. He's a great rebounder, had a multiple, you know, I think he had a 19 point, uh, or excuse me, 19 rebound game against Coppin State where he also had 19 uh, points. He had some of the most gaudy games of the year. I mean, the Coppin State game, his college debut was in 1919 with five assists and four blocks. And then he also had the best game of any individual prospect this season of and that's international included. And that was against Pittsburgh, where he almost had a 5x5, five five, which is unheard of in college basketball. He had 24 points, 16 rebounds, six of them offensive rebounds. And this is legitimate competition. Like, he went against Justin Champagny, who is a NBA prospect, had 24 and 16. And then it gets better. He had seven assists, four blocks, and two steals with zero turnovers. He did have five fouls, but he also shot eight of 15, one of one from three. Like, when you look at his peak, it might be one of the best in the class. Like He has a chance to get top three return on investment because you look at what he can also do on the defensive end. He has long arms, huge hands, potential as a weak side rim protector, averaged over a steal and block per game in really not high minutes. So 
if you look at what he has done in his time as like, I mean, it's all been good. Like he really didn't have any bad games at Duke where you're like, and eh, this is a warning game. He never had that. It was all positive. However, there are warnings in his game. It all starts with the jump shooting. He shoots on the way down. He, you know, I, I don't really know how much I buy it because of that. That's a very hard trait to learn on his free throws. His follow through is wacky. It goes to the side. I've seen it with Dennis Smith Jr., which is not a shooter you want to be in the same company as, where his follow-through is just not a straight fluid up-down in one motion. It goes to the side before it corrects itself. Um, that's a, an issue that can plague a lot of non-shooters. Defensively, I think he just didn't really care. He had a motor that I didn't really see a lot of on the defensive end, wasn't always in stance. His intensity was minimal on the defensive end, to put it short. Um, I also think that while he is a good passer, he could get even better by recognizing open teammates a little bit quicker. Like I said, you know, he had that five assists, seven assists game, but I, I do have concerns about how he gets teammates better looks quicker in the NBA in such quick offense. And also he had a foot injury, which is always a warning. Um, not really a warning, excuse me, but just a negative as a someone at 6'9", it's not really a good injury to have. So the selling point with him, though, is that you're getting one of the best finishers, one of the best rebounders, and one of the most athletic players in the class. So you're swinging for the fences with this pick. Because of that, I don't think he goes top five, despite being, if he returns on his investment, top three uh, potential to return. I don't see him going before Golden State. They could swing for the fences with two lottery picks. I don't see him going lower than 20, though, either. I think someone, we've seen it with Michael Porter Jr., all these guys, they slip, but they, there's always a team that catches their fall. And I think, you know, someone like that, with that upside, and you look at his peaks of the year, I know I keep saying that, but, like, his peak is unreal as a college player. Um, someone's going to take a swing. So the two players I wrote down as similarities, I think his floor, for what it's worth, is much worse than both of these players, and the ceiling is even better than both of these guys. Um, but... This is just a general ballpark of their of his skills. <clears throat> it's like if you merged Aaron Gordon and Juan Toscano Anderson together, I think that's the kind of player you're looking at. JTA is a guy who was a rim protector at times as an off-rim protector for Golden State. I, I'm pretty sure he averaged almost a block per game being a forward uh, wing, not a center at all, but not really a shooter either. Aaron Gordon has always struggled with his jump shot, but Think of what Aaron Gordon could have been, and that's what you might get with Jalen Johnson. So his expected role is to be a combo forward that makes up for a lack of big man um, presence, I guess, on a roster of correctly surrounded by perimeter-oriented players. So if he has a bunch of shooters, like you look at Brooklyn, he could easily be their five. And like that would be such a monstrous defensive help. If they can move their three picks up to get him, uh, I think it's three. They, they either have three or four, and now I'm doubting myself. But if they could move their first rounder, which is currently at 27 with their multiple second round picks to get him up at 20. If he falls that far, that's a, that's an insanely good deal. His worst case scenario is that he's unplayable because of that jump shooting and that his motor and all the negative character concerns, the defense, all of that never, it's true. Like that, those plagues, those things that plague him are legitimate issues and he never overcomes it. He exceeds expectations simply by being near league average as a shooter. And the motor was just a college thing and not an actual him thing. Uh, he would be a good defender very easily under that scenario. It doesn't take long for him to be a good defender when he's engaged. I think he was pretty hard to beat, honestly, when engaged. It was just a matter of when, not if. And if he gets that finishing to translate, he'll be elite at the rim on both ends. So that's my Jalen Johnson scouting report. I think he's one of the most unique players in the draft, one of the hardest players 
to get a get a grasp on you know writing the scouting report him and josh josh giddy who i did in the first section were really hard ochai Baji was a little bit easier I've, I've watched him for three years so but watching those guys and typing up the scouting reports on players i'm having a difficult time with kind of made it a little bit easier to see the light if you're swinging for the fences these three players josh giddy ochai Baji, and jalen johnson are the players to target in the draft if you're looking for those high ceiling guys so one other thing before I go, um, just in a couple weeks from here, uh, I think it's a few, I, I, the change of the month always throws me off, but July 19th, Locked On is doing the ultimate mock draft. We did this with the NFL draft. Uh, we've got Chad Ford and some other experts, including Brian Scalabrini, former GM Ryan McDonough, and there may or may not be a Locked On host that hosts on Tuesdays that will be uh, making some special appearances on there so be sure to check that out come july 19th you do not want to miss this it'll be on odyssey and to spell odyssey it is a-u-d-a-c-y so thank you for listening to another episode of locked on nba draft i hope you look forward to that and i hope that these three scouting reports really helped get a grasp on some of the high ceiling guys in the draft